0: Welcome to The Guide Sessions, a podcast where we talk about stories of adventure as told by the guides who experience it. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support. If you like what you hear... Feel free to rate and subscribe. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about tags and applications. Most states' applications uh, have already kind of opened and closed. Uh, However, if you happen to not draw a tag, there's still options out there. Okay, You can contact me at the Guide Sessions Consulting. You can come through the website, theguidesessions.com, or you can look me right up on Instagram, at the guide sessions, uh, shoot me a message. Be like, hey, I'm looking to do a hunt somewhere, and I'll help you figure it out. I've got some outfitters that I'm working with in different states, even Africa, even some up in Canada. So, I'm pretty sure I can find you a place to hunt, uh, even with overcounter elk. You know, a, a cow tag. I can get you hooked up with an outfitter if you want to go get some elk meat. All right, there's opportunities out there if you don't if you don't get a tag. Go get experience. Go get reps. If you've never hunted elk, there's nothing wrong with hunting a cow because you're in the elk woods. So that actually when you finally get that opportunity to draw that bull tag of wherever you're drawing or wherever you're applying, you're going to have experience and reps in the elk woods. You're going to see how they act. You're going to see how they move. You're going to be in that environment that they're in. So you're going to learn how to prepare yourself for that moment that maybe perhaps a -a once-in-a-lifetime tag that you've been waiting 15, 20 years for. So if you've never been on a trip or something like that, there's opportunities there. So reach out, contact me. I'd love to help you out. Hey guys, as you're probably aware, most of my life evolves around the outdoors, whether it be guiding hunts or filming content or just hunting and fishing for myself. For a while now, I've actually struggled with my weight. I was hauling around about 40 plus pounds that I didn't need And it was really starting to become a burden to me physically, both in the woods as well in the gym. If you have been following me on social media, you will have noticed that I have actually found a nutrition program that has not only perfectly fit my hectic schedule of not only my daily job, but all the work I do outside of that in the hunting industry. It also has got me healthy, got that weight off, and it did it really quickly. I'm really excited about it and would love to share more information with you. But I don't want to delay this podcast any further. So if you'd like to learn more, shoot me a message or an email. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning into this episode. Man, just like that, it is August, and hunting season starts for some states here in a couple of weeks. I think it's Arizona, like Kentucky. You know, so you got some big games, you got some whitetail, you got some elk coming in. I even think there's other ones. that have some velvet seasons going on already. I don't even know about them, but. All I can say is is um good luck, but I'm jealous, you suck <laughs> and uh but anyway, the girls and I have been doing some fishing, both bass and trout. We actually traveled down to a place called Harmon's luxury cabins down in West Virginia where they have a uh, a private section of a uh, trout trout water that they stock and um water conditions weren't the best while we were there, I mean, because it is July when we were there, so. Water temperatures were getting up there a little bit, and water levels were a little low, which made it uh, not a lot of current. So it was really a lot of slow glass water. So you needed like the perfect uh, drag-free drift to have a fish even consider. So we had some hookups, had some fish landed. Everybody had a good time. Went down there with a good buddy of mine and his family, and we're definitely trying to plan a trip to go back. Hopefully, um, actually, I met. They have a guy down there. I met him, so I'm. Plan on trying to have him on the show sometime here. I don't know when, but because uh, he's got a crazy schedule just like I do. So trying to line things up, herding cats. That's the way it is with this uh, podcast stuff. Anyway, archery season is coming, man. If you haven't dusted off your bow yet, do it today. The season's going to be here before we know it. Even if you use a crossbow, make sure that thing is still set it in. Make sure you think, if you got a rail, make sure you lube your rail, lube your strings. Get all that stuff, get that all that stuff maintained now because the last thing you need is to come down to that moment of truth and things don't work. So get out there, practice, practice, practice. Make sure that you're going to be on for when you need it. As for today's show, in this episode, we're actually heading back out west and we're going to talk with Sam Brittenstein with Boulder Creek Outfitters. Sam actually works with a former guest, Rob Taylor, Uh, While Rob made his way to Boulder Creek via a guide school, Sam's path was completely different. And Sam is the perfect example of someone who took advantage of an opportunity and truly just seized the day. So he left his trouble left behind, all just to chase his dream. So it's pretty inspirational. It's a solid dude. He's coming up through the ranks, loving what he's doing, spending as much time out there in the woods as possible, Again, I'm jealous of him a little bit because of all the time he's getting out there, but he's doing it, all the power to him. So in this episode, we discuss the power of taking initiative, the importance of trusting your guide, learning from mistakes, which is a huge thing which I think everybody needs to do anyway, relating East hunting back East here because he's from Pennsylvania and Western hunting, dealing with wolves, hunting out burned areas. We've got all this, so much more. This is a fun and great conversation. It's Sam Brittenstein. Talk with me on the Guide Sessions podcast. Uh, 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 uh. All right, we are live, and today on the show, we've got Sam Brittenstein, who I connected with via a previous guest, Rob Taylor uh sam is also a pennsylvania dude who has ventured his way out west to guide big game and he currently works with the boulder creek outfitters out there in idaho with rob uh sam welcome to the show
1: hey thanks for having me yeah Yeah. man great to be here
0: yeah so it uh it's funny how we met you know we just kind of met here really through the phone call but we got connected through rob at the we tried to meet up at the harrisburg show but i was too busy running around doing other stuff and we just missed paths so glad we were able to finally connect here and um pretty yeah. stoked to hear your side of the story because uh or your side of the story but uh your your adventure and the guiding and what you've learned over the years because apparently uh rob's saying that you're pretty you're pretty badass out there so <laughs> <laughs>
1: um i i that's cool that he says that um i did that's sweet that he talks highly of me like that. Um, I've definitely had nothing but good things to say about him. He's a great dude, but, um, yeah, uh, my story, it kind of started, I started out as a fishing guide some years back, back in like that 2015. I think that might've been, I was, I was up in Alaska. I was a fishing guide out there and, uh, just spent one summer up there and it just, Things just didn't pan out, and came back, and I I got into some some legal trouble, and definitely stuff that like not proud of, but I've moved on from it, and i definitely think I've it's helped me be to become the the man I am today, and then the the guide I am, and like um, I'm I've got six years sober now, and so I,
0: congrats by the way.
1: Thank you. Um, when I came back, got in all my legal trouble, just started welding and gave up on the whole guiding dream and just thought that I was going to just never do that ever again. And uh, a few years back, right before COVID, um, I had booked a hunt with Boulder Creek Outfitters to go out there, me and my dad, to do, to do an archery hunt, actually the year that COVID hit. Oh, okay. So leading going into the year of covid um matt craig had called me up and asked if what we were planning on doing and i was laid off at the time and i was like i'm i don't think i can do this uh so me and my dad both uh backed out because me and him both were laid off at for six weeks at this point and it just didn't seem like it was going to be an attainable thing to go on our hunt so uh Continued working and everything, and this past summer, uh, they were posting jobs that they were looking for cooks, and I kind of was just getting tired of welding, and my, my boss where I work at here in Lebanon, um, it's a great little welding shop, uh, Miles T. Weber, um, they, they've been very understanding from the beginning when I started working with them uh, how much like I love to hunt and fish. And in the very beginning, we had a talk about, should I ever get a guiding job later on in the future? Would that be okay with you? And they, they were completely fine with it. And they let me hunt and fish pretty frequently. And, um, so this job came up, I, I'd sent a message to Matt and he called me up within a couple hours, wanted to know what my experience was, told him I had been in Alaska and, uh, I was, I mean, I cooked while I was up there, also while I guided, and um, so I told him that, but I was also been in the restaurant business for uh, 10 years, maybe 11 years, and um, so I had a lot of experience doing a little bit of everything, and cooking, is that's just easy. I live on my own, used to it, um, and I cook whenever I we go camping with friends and stuff, so um, went out that ended up going out to boulder creek as a started out as a cook and came out of the back country from this fall and they said hey you're headed up to a ranch and you're going to be guiding and so now now i'm a guide at one of the ranches at both for boulder creek
0: nice which ranch
1: yeah um we're up uh on the dumac plains or the and the joseph plains okay so we're in the hell's canyon area all right, and uh it's gorgeous area. it's gorgeous country up in there but uh definitely something like I would have never dreamed of I would have been doing this season thought about um could have been going into next season doing it but uh I guess just had some great luck and I I guess I'm uh hard and en- worked hard enough for them that they thought that I'd be a good fit up there, and I I guess I'm I'm doing pretty good so far. Had a pretty good season, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of good things that that you did there. Where you're one, you I mean, you took the initiative to respond to the ad, number one. Yeah, you know that that's a huge part on your. You know, there's so many times that I see outfitters advertising things like on social media, and I don't know how many calls they get, but you know the fact that you're able to recognize that and still say, yeah, I still want to go give this a shot, and then your work ethic kicked in and mm-hmm. and you busted your ass and did a great job and you know the fact that that was just proven with the fact that they called and asked you just to, to stay on you know if, yeah. if they didn't think you worth your salt then they definitely wouldn't have kept you mm-hmm. on for sure so yeah. so what was that feeling like when they kind of told you like hey man you're doing a great job and and we want you to guide like what was that like experience for you were you just kind of like overwhelmed and just like
1: i was in shock and then like instantly thought they're because they're the, saying you're leaving and three days um I was like I need to go to town I have nothing for guiding I had I just had normal clothing because I was I was intending to cook in the backcountry till November
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so all the way up through October I was expecting to be in the backcountry that's I mean my my clothing didn't change too much um for ranch hunting I uh definitely I'm a little different with my hunting style that I don't always wear camo, okay, so i'm not i don't it's plaid or like just aztec designs or just stuff that like blends in with the surroundings uh, uh, that type of stuff, a lot of wool um solid colors and stuff like that,
0: yeah, I mean, there's nothing about that i you know like I'm sure you're pretty sure um you've heard of Donny Vincent, right, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, Donny. You know, he doesn't wear camo either. He wears, yeah. you know, you're grazing your greens, and a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. is like mountaineering clothing simply because the mountaineers yeah. have done it first before the hunters did it. So they need all that high quality top gear, and that's what he uses. You know, they so they stay
1: warmer, drier, longer than the hunters ever will. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're out there doing it. I mean, we do it a lot, but if you're a mountaineer, that's a whole other level of, um, I don't know, crazy. I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, crazy and yeah, <laughs> I, extreme weather for for extreme period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing is most animals seeing colors of, colors are gray anyway. So. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the thing that yeah, you and think about as it. long
1: as you're, I mean, you gotta look back on it that it, our grandparents they were wearing red and black plaid shirt jackets
0: and blue jeans, <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: Yeah,
1: smoking pipes and they had these crazy hats on and. They were getting these giant bucks. So like it can be done. hmm You just hunt smartly. That's all it is. Yeah. Hunt smarter. Smarter, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. But uh so before we get kind of got you mentioned that you were that you're a welder, so like how long how'd you get into welding? That's a that's so, an interesting trade.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I had done so. Worked in the restaurant business for ten years. Did landscaping for some years in in there, and then um, when I before I went to Alaska, the guy I was working for and got hired on with for last. This is this is kind of a crazy story how I got into the fishing guiding. That I was working landscaping for two years at this point. I was a foreman for a company. I got a phone call for this job that i had applied for this is in april this is april like 13th or 14th in of 2015 and i had applied for this job probably in december 2014 and i had completely like forgot that i applied for this job because i never heard (laughs) from anyone just completely it so Guy calls me up. It's the owner of the company uh, of the outfitter up there. And I'm not going to name names because there's, I had, there's bad blood and I'm not gonna, I don't need to tarnish anyone else's name. It just, it is what it is. We, I left amicably enough that it's, but uh he was having a boat built out in Washington in Port Townsend. Mm -hmm. And so I spent two months in Washington as a welder's helper. So I asked enough questions that by the end, by the time I left there, I actually did weld a little bit on this boat that he was having built for hunts in Alaska. Okay. And it was a custom boat, uh was all steel. It was, I mean, it was a massive boat. In the end, it was gonna be like 75 feet long. Um, it had a cabin that would be uh lifted off with a crane and everything. And um it was it was just a it was a, a pretty cool thing and it kept me I have a very short attention span. So I think that's why I enjoy hunting and fishing as much as I do. Yeah. It keeps me like I'm occupied and I enjoy the, just being outdoors and everything. And that's like the only place like I, I can focus. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when I came back and I had gotten in all my legal trouble, I needed a job that like was going to pay somewhat decently. That was some like close to where I lived and everything. So, Um, my parents, they helped me out with everything and they drove me to and from work for years. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love them for that. They've been so supportive of me and my dreams, my entire life. And I can't thank them enough for that. And, uh, that's, I mean, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without them. My dad got me into hunting and everything. So it's all thanks to him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so they, yeah, just when I, I got my welding job, I've been working in Lebanon here for five years now and I, they my employer. They're just awesome people. And I actually got them back into hunting so, since <laughs> nice. I started working for them.
0: Nice. So it's like a kind of two way street for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like it helped them out and then now their kids are getting older and like they're the past two years, like his son just missed his first uh, buck this past year. And uh this past season and he um my boss called me I I I think my boss called me up. He's like, Hey, Zach, he missed his first deer this morning. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, he did and I was like, Yeah, he was like, Yeah, and I was like so excited to hear that. Um it was just neat to hear that and uh he just he had buck fever and it was cool to I wish I would have my and that's no fault to my dad that we the mentored youth and all that stuff, we we just he didn't really know about that when I was younger, younger.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So we didn't, I didn't start hunting until I was 12. All right. So but it is what it is. I mean, I actually got my first deer when I was 11 in West Virginia. So like I could hunt a year earlier down there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So as you found yourself heading out West and you, and you took that original position as being a cook, Mm -hmm. what was your let's say what was your biggest or i can't say biggest but did you have any fears about heading out there just about like what really what am i doing or you just kind of just jumped in and said i'm gonna go do this and i'm not gonna you know both feet all the way in
1: i'm kind of like an all the way in type of person like there's there's no failing for me like if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it like there's i can't half-ass anything um at least i i try not to and i definitely have my times where i catch myself slacking but once i was out there it's there's i mean there's no we our camp where we were i was in the furthest away camps that we had for this past season we had our we have flying camps okay and they're the first camps um 21 or 17 miles the first camp 17 miles in and then the next one's like 27 miles in and you fly into these so the clients will fly in and we ride in okay And we pack we'll, we'll pack everything in um like 15 animals and it's two guides the cook and then four clients
0: yeah and so what are they is will, that helicopter or plane
1: they fly in by a little uh uh like a super cub or uh, okay. a bush plane. Little bush yeah, plane? there's an airstrip out there. We have a camp right there, like right almost on the airstrip. And then um the second camp that's further in will just ride out and ride in clients when they fly in and out at the end of each hunt.
0: Okay. So twenty six miles, I mean that's what that's a solid days worth of ride, isn't it? And no, you, it is. Yeah, you're looking yeah. At like twelve hours in the saddle, probably. Oh,
1: without a doubt, yeah. And like,
0: pending any blow-ups of horses and mules. Oh my god, <laughs> with
1: that, that happens. It happens, yep. and like, but at the same time, it's the prettiest country I've ever seen. And like, Alaska was cool and everything, but to me, this is absolutely this is way cooler. <laughs>
0: Yeah. What makes it so much cooler? Is it just like the different terrain or is it just like in your heart and soul, you just kind of feel more at home there?
1: I think I feel more at home. Yeah. So uh, I, Alaska, I, and I think I just had the bad experience I had with the outfitter and the people I worked for. Um, it wasn't the people I worked with. Cause like, I'm still in touch with all the people that I worked with from there mm-hmm. and they were great people. And it just stinks that, um, he that they he would manipulate you to get you there and then you were there and you were stuck right so yeah. i had i could have definitely not pursued any of this ever again and thought but at the same time i didn't think that i wasn't i wasn't happy doing uh welding as much as i have been
0: yeah so like you always had that dream of going out and guiding right And and so like you had a bad experience and it kind of put a bad taste in your mouth, but you just still you still had that thirst and hunger to go do it, and you just kept looking for an opportunity, and it just you know yeah you you jumped on it when it came about. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Correct. So that's cool. Um. So with Hell's Canyon, I've never been there. I've seen pictures, and compared to like say like last year in Pennsylvania like what was like your impression of that like of just trying to like maneuver through hell's canyon
1: it's a completely different ball game of i mean so i'm not used to spotting as much as i as i did this year mm-hmm. so that was a big game changer out there and trying to teach clients how we hunt and getting them to understand our method to our madness there will be success i i can almost guarantee that there will be success Mm
2: -hmm.
1: just trust me just trust that we are doing everything properly to get you an animal it might not seem like it at all times because we can't when it's midday and it's When it should be forty degrees and it's sixty-five, the elk aren't moving.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. It's just plain and simple. They're bedded down in the the pines down probably a thousand foot below somewhere, and you just don't want to drop in on them because we're up on top. Like where we're up, where we are, it's already like forty-four hundred feet,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and these elk they just hang out a thousand to two thousand feet down below right and then in the evenings in the mornings they're up on top
0: right so you kind of spend obviously you want to be on top in the mornings but like as those thermals shift there in the evenings like how do you guys how do you guys fight that if you're if you're already up on top do you guys shift down with the thermals to hunt or
1: um well we'll hopefully we uh we'll spend a lot of time like the guides we go out midday without the clients and kind of just that everyone's eating their lunch and just, um, BSing mm-hmm. the, uh, we'll have like the, all the clients back at this one little meeting point. And, uh, we'll go out and we'll kind of hopefully glass something up. And if we get a glimpse on something, then we'll try and go make a move and get ahead of them. And cause we, they're pretty predictable where we're hunting them. It's just, it's private ground that's okay. how it is um and because of the other hunter the other ranchers around and everything uh it just over all the years of hunting there the guides that i hunt with there there's two main ones they were super helpful they know exactly what these elk are gonna do mm. if they get kicked out one way they know exactly which direction they're gonna go and which exit route they're gonna head right and they'd and they told me they explained all this to me, and it worked. It, I mean, my I tagged out my first two days with clients.
0: Nice. I, I was going to say, that how was? Me. What, tell me about your first guided hunt, like like step by step, a little bit. Like how, like what was your approach? I mean, because being from Pennsylvania, like ha, like never hunted up before. You know what was your? What did you have to learn? What questions did you ask? As other people, like what what kind of helped you get through that situation? <laughs>
1: it was a lot of just learning as I go. And like, it's as with all with hunting, it's just making your own mistakes. Um, they, they helped me as much as they could. They took me out once or twice before the season started. Like I didn't have much time because between the back country hunt and the ranch hunts, we had one week. Mm-hmm. I had three days, we had three days of packing stuff. Um, and just cleaning up everything from the back country. And then I had to go get my supplies and everything. And then we still had to like set up our set up everything at the ranch for all our clients to come in mm-hmm. and we get, I mean, we can get 20 hunters at once.
0: Yeah. it's a lot of hunters. That's <laughs> no,
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so many hunters and it's just, there's a lot going on and, um, definitely like that first morning they just kind of told me hey we're heading over here we just kind of spread out all over the property Mm -hmm. and I went in one area they went to another and the other two guides went to these other two areas and we just said hey we'll meet up or this time back at the ranch house and we're like all right cool well we have walkie-talkies and everything and I didn't see anything all morning and they said they had spotted a couple but they were just some raghorns and I had just had cow hunters and everything and so they were on our way out and these elk are pouring over this hillside directly at us.
0: It's oh, a great it's a great feeling at all. <laughs> yeah.
1: Should not have been there at all and like we're in the side by side and I see the shadows on the hill and I'm like elk right there, right there, right there. And I slam on the brakes and like, get out, we load up and they're like, where are they? And I was like, they're (laughs)
2: everywhere.
1: (laughs) And like trying to explain to them that they're just all over the hillside. And so it's just thick with pines there and everything. So we couldn't, um, they couldn't get a shot off. So I kind of radio over to the one guide and I was like, Hey man, these elk just came out onto the trail, like almost about to cut out onto the road. He goes. That's not good. Well, we we had kind of a poacher problem up there, mm. and we're pretty sure there was someone in there that morning where they shouldn't have been, and they kicked these elk off the property. Right? Can't we can't confirm that um, for sure? But we saw we had some sketchy stuff happen this year. We had some elk taken that just the just bad stuff stuff you don't want to have happen. Anywhere Mm -hmm. illegally, so right, and um, so we get back in the side by side and we head on out. And he's like, "You need to get up the road. Like it was like probably a mile, probably two miles, probably close to two miles." He's like, "You need to get up there and just sit there. They're gonna come right down through this gully." So I got up. I I listened to him, and like fifteen minutes, ten minutes goes by, and I'm like, "Nothing's happening." And all of a sudden like clockwork they come straight down this gully directly to us. Oh wow. And like it was like clockwork and so we took the lead one and uh the second guy he he rushed his shot and I told him I I was like wait 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 I'm going to get her to stop and he rushed his shot and he he didn't listen to me he just was anxious and fired away and missed and they they all took off and mm-hmm. So uh The next day we we kind of did the same exact thing and um except for this time we were we were leaving and uh as we got up out to this ravine where we were the day before where these elk came out we went up and he's like hey we're gonna go up here and look around and everything i'm like all right cool so we get out there and i sure enough to the left these elk are coming back out of these pines to, right around <laughs> to us and i'm like this isn't happening we're we're le- we're closer than we were the day before to them mm-hmm. and there's but this time i didn't It's not we didn't see him beforehand they just happened to pull in there because this he wanted to stop in there it was like, "Hey, man! All right, cool. Let's do this." And so both of them, we were, It it just worked like that. I mean, we we're we're like fifty yards from the side by side, so hanging out in the where it's shaded and everything. We're right. getting ready to go back to have lunch and everything. And just so happened these elk come around the corner right to us. So it just it it was crap luck, and it it doesn't happen like that because it got harder as the season progressed for sure. Mm-hmm. But I still got uh, three, four more elk for clients out of my, how many did I have? I think I had 11 clients and I think I got six elk for this season.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: So it wasn't a bad season. No, not at all. But, uh, but I will say um, three of those clients, two of them, well, two of them were whitetail hunters. Okay. So, Yeah, not too bad.
0: Yeah, not bad at all. So, I mean, so what was it like walking up on your first elk and having to, to field dress it and what like it's a lot bigger than a whitetail?
1: Oh, it's a lot bigger than a whitetail. Um it was it was pretty exciting and I I couldn't wait. I just I I've grown up um skinning out my own deer and everything and quartering them quarter quarter then quartering them up. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's all right and um so it's after the third or fourth one it wasn't as bad but it was it was exciting and rewarding and the my clients um he was 82 years old the the guy who got his first the my first one he said it might be his last hunt. so like that was pretty rewarding uh, mm-hmm. hopefully i mean i told him i was like hey man if you want to come back out next year like I'll definitely get you on another one.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, uh, it, it definitely, they were not all that easy. And, um, I wish they would have been that easy for some of my clients because they were just, you know, some clients are a little more tough than others. So,
0: yeah, I mean, some are more mobile, some are more in shape, some are, you know, and you just gotta take the go with the bad and, and hunt with your hunter and not over hunt them.
1: Yep yep and it's feeling them out and it was nice i mean i had a lot of older hunters but i also had a lot of first year hunters this season Mm -hmm. so like it was to to them i was a professional like completely like knew everything to like (laughs) hand over foot they knew they just this is
0: a bullet wow Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah yeah pretty much and like talking to some of them that's how they how it was
0: yeah been there
1: and you had to explain to them exactly why we were doing it and um, had a client that uh, the hardest one the hardest hunt got him one he said he couldn't shoot past 200 yards mm-hmm. and I got him to within 109 yards and nice. he missed his first shot and she stood there and got him on the second shot Mm. but got her on the second shot so like he did get one Mm -hmm. but it was he we had elk he could have had one two days earlier that was a 320 yard shot wide open and she was that was a big cow too yeah so like cool to me it was a no-brainer but to him he didn't feel comfortable and i didn't force him to do it Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna i just hit afterwards he was like would you would you have really taken that i was like as a hunter as someone who's been doing this and had taken shots at that far? Yes, I would have. Mm-hmm. But I would I'm not going to make you feel bad that you didn't. It's, I'm going to still get you your chance at an elk and I did.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean if they're not uh, comfortable, you can't force them to take a shot and you don't and you don't want to have them have a bad shot, especially if they're yes. not comfortable taking it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And uh his buddy even said Ugh. So he had a friend with him, and that was sick that day. That, that there was a elk out there at 300 yards, and after seeing him shoot, I don't know what he was really talking about. He would he would have taken the shot because he had elk closer than that, and he still managed to miss. But his you, I don't know. He might have just been giving his buddy a hard time. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but I definitely they were. They were some of the, the hardest hunters I had that, like, trying to please them. It's hard pleasing every every one of your clients Yeah, at all times.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing about it is, is those, you know, pleasing and, and entertaining, that's just part of the job description. Yeah. You know, and s- some people recognize that and some people don't. And I think that really separates a lot of guides' abilities to – really provide that experience because that's what you're providing at the end of the day is, is that mm-hmm. experience. And just like yeah. you're saying, like they might be tough to entertain and tough to make happy, but if you can still work with them and, and include them and, you know, say that it's okay that, you, that, that you're not, if you're not comfortable making the shot, then don't make the shot, you know, it's, yeah. you know, it, you're not, you're not going to ruin them or make them feel bad for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. And, um, but they definitely they um so like we have a certain way of hunting and like i said midday sometimes they're not moving and mm-hmm. they were definitely they didn't understand that they thought that what you see on tv is you're always barging straight into where the elk are and just running <laughs> straight or head <laughs> right. into them yeah. at all times and i was like if we had a bow we might be doing that right we're rifle hunting we don't need to be getting you within 30 them. yards of yeah. Them exactly it was like if there's a head of 120 elk in there i guarantee you they're gonna see us or smell us way before we can get anywhere near them. Mm-hmm. i promise you mm-hmm. they're just as thick as it is once you start dropping in there and they're definitely not in shape enough to be doing stuff like that and um they it was funny because the one evening they gave me a hard time that we were spotting and glassing this area and it was they just kept going on and on about how they could have been doing better things than wasting their time at looking for elk so fast forward the next day same time around we're out sitting somewhere because he he said i'd rather sit the day before he said i'd rather sit out somewhere and hope that the elk come through and i was like that doesn't seem any better than glass and so next day while we're out sitting i get a call over the radio and they're like I think I see some. And I was like, okay. And they're like, where are you? And I, they, we, we communicated and they're like, all right, I'm going to come over. I'm going to make a move on him." He's like, all right, cool. And that's sure enough. We get, did a spot and stalk. I glass these elk out at like 400 yards out. Mm-hmm. And we, I got him up to 109 yards. And this lead cow started coming. I could see her ears coming up through the grass and like, I'm at this point. I'm like, oh, this is this is gonna happen. This is, and I could see these two little raghorn bulls fighting the whole time. We were like trying to sneak up in there, just making sure. But they weren't. They were focused on each other, which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we snuck up in there, and then afterwards, they were like. That was the coolest thing we've ever done. <laughs> awesome. They're like, oh, we're so sorry for yesterday and giving you such a hard time. That was hands down the coolest thing we've ever experienced. That was honestly, did you know exactly what you're doing? I've never, I didn't think I'd ever get that close to one. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was like, thanks for that. Like, thanks. I'm sorry. It wasn't as eventful leading up till today, but like,
0: that's hunting sometimes. That's <laughs> how it
1: is. And like, yeah, there's a lot of people. They don't understand that. And like a lot of clients, it's that's just how, I mean, when you have the money to pay for some of these hunts, that's how it is though.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is a lot. You're not going to see animals every day. You're not going to see animals on every yeah. hunt. And, yep. and, and, then, and
1: if the weather's bad, the weather's bad,
0: right? You can only can, you can't control what you can control. Yeah,
1: exactly. So like, I try to entertain them as much as I can. And one was sick one day or for a couple of days. So he, him feeling sick and miserable just made everything else seem miserable because we weren't seeing anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, but so, yeah, in the end, they had a great time, and so it it all worked out.
0: So in that spot in stock that that you went over in closing distance from four hundred to one hundred nine, there, what was that like for them trying to? Because if these guys were newbies, like you kind of had to coach them through a little bit, right? Like so, how did you? No, need, yeah. So how did you have to? How did you approach that, and how did you educate them on on a little bit of a stalking? You know, did you use? Were you using, in the forest? Was it open, or were you using, you know using no, trees? It's wide open. So. It's
1: wide open field with some uh, grasses in it, mm-hmm. and um, it's and these. It's funny because I killed this elk were I mean, within 150 yards of where I killed my first two. Mm-hmm. They were just up on top way up on top instead Mm -hmm. of on the hillside where i killed the other ones and um so it's wide open up top there and i explained to them i was like hey you guys are gonna get right behind me single file we're gonna get crouched down and i was like when i drop down you are dropping down too and we're going to army crawl up through these grasses to get as close as we can and i was like when i stop you stop i was like don't pop your head up don't bob and weave to look left and right i was like I will let you know when we are close enough and when to move up next to me to get ready for the shot. I was like, don't load your weapon until I let you know when to do it. And once we got within like 200 yards, that's so when I was like, all right, now you can put one in. I was like, you're kind of come up next to me. Cause I was like, you're shooting first.
2: Mm-hmm. The other
1: guy just said, he was like, Hey, he's been out here all week with you. I missed a few days. Like this, that's his. This is his turn to shoot, and if I get a shot at one, I get a shot at one. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't too worried. His buddy wasn't too worried about it. Um, And so this gentleman, and it was his first. It was his. I'll give it to him. It was his first hunt ever, and he went on a elk hunt mm-hmm. as his first hunt. Yeah. So I've had a couple. He had of those, only yeah. started shooting guns several years before. And he just figured he'd gotten to become a, a good enough marksman that he figured he might as well try and, uh, put it into try and go hunting sometime. Yeah. He just had money that he didn't know what to do with, yeah. I think. <laughs> and, uh, so it, but he, they listened it perfectly there. I think there was one time he was trying to like stand up and like peek his head. I'm like, don't do that right now. We are too close for this. You are not going to screw this up. Mm-hmm. And, in the end, they're, they're just so pleased with how it turned out. And so when I had a little video of him, like, walking up on it. And he just had the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> and, yeah. and, like, it. He first day he shows up, I told – we tried not to wear, like, bright colors by any – means or whatever mm-hmm. and like he comes out with a bright blue jacket windbreaker jacket <laughs> oh, and i'm man. like elk see that they're gonna see that from a mile away my guy yeah i'm so sorry like you cannot this That's yeah. the one thing you cannot wear other than that it i don't care it can be pink that's cool by me we'll make that work i'll be cool with that but mm-hmm. like the blue just there's certain like blues are i don't, like turkeys can see certain colors a lot right, better yeah
2: and yeah. so, but yeah.
1: no, and it, it all worked out, and it worked, but it was cutting down like right at the end of the day and everything. So like we're getting to be last light, and it was within like minutes mm-hmm. of last light. So it all worked out, and they had a great story to tell. And yeah, that's awesome. It was, it definitely just one of the coolest experiences. just because the sunset and everything. The I was say we good got pictures probably
0: it. happened there. Yeah,
1: yeah, we're just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I, I want to back up and and commend you on a couple of things that you pointed out that a lot of people might over that overlook is uh there's two things there that stuck out to me in your story about the spot and stalking and one was having having the specific instructions of being single file and not having any bob and weave there were a mm-hmm. lot of people you know I've had to run the same thing like stay directly behind me because you know when when you're only having one silhouette moving through the woods is a lot less noticeable than two or three moving yep. through the woods you know, And yep. Bob and Weaving, you know, it's just additional movement. Mm-hmm. So that was key. And then also the safety aspect, especially about not loading your gun, especially with brand new hunters who are very, yeah, who may not be super conscious about where their muzzle are. You know, where yeah. a lot of times yeah. even I've had experienced people, they're walking up a mountain behind me, but yet I'm bending over, they're bending over and their muzzle's right up my, you know, yep. poking me in the back almost. So it's yep. like, you know, things like that, 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 you know, that you made the conscious effort to say, okay, you know, we're going to be crawling here. Don't be loading your weapon. You know, we got plenty of time to do that. So yeah, commend you on that. And I, I think that's a lot of good things that people can pull out of that as well. So awesome, man.
1: Yeah. I def- We, it's kind of something we were just drilled into our heads, just heard some horror stories on it and close calls. Not like anyone was, it might've been one person that got shot, but that was just like a, a here's it might. And that might've been a, a story that got exaggerated a little bit, but mm-hmm there were some close calls and vehicles getting shot and stuff. So Ooh. um trying to be strict on that and like just safety in general and like I go out hunting with my friends all the time here in Pennsylvania, Maryland and stuff. So like we just try to be as safe as possible no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um it it can change in an instant and it doesn't take doesn't take much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's for sure. Yeah. Safety I mean when things go right, they go right in a hurry. And, you, and yeah. the sooner you can be on top of it to stop it, you know, there's just that much better. Yeah. Yeah. So as for, you know, your knowledge and your tactics that you've, you've had, you know, you grew up with back out east here, you know, have you found anything that was, like, beneficial that you are able to, like, carry over to hunting out west at all that was, like, transferable, like a transferable tactic or anything?
1: Well, I mean, I'm a huge turkey hunter. Okay. So like with that, I just love moving around a bunch Mm -hmm. and calling. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So uh, I learned I've called him a bunch of bulls this fall. Like I I did that. I got to walk around in the back country a couple times, and I got on bull elk by myself, and it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't confident, so like I didn't actually get to see him, but I had him bugling pretty darn close to me. Mm -hmm. That if it was open i would say we're probably within 65 yards of me mm-hmm.
0: and yeah, so uh what was that what was that first experience like when you when you the first time you bugled and one answered you
1: well i i'm a big just i was just using cow calls okay um used some cow calls and one answered, and i was like that that wasn't real and then i heard the cows <laughs> was like that's yep nope those are elk right there and then The second time, some cows responded first, and the elk, the bull started bugling to the cows. Okay. So, I don't know if I sounded like I, at the time, I was, didn't know what I was doing too well Mm -hmm. with the calling, but then going into the ranch hunting, like, for those few days before I got any clients, all I did was watch videos. Mm -hmm. And I'm just there just practicing cow calls. Mm -hmm. And like, I just wanted I wanted it to be – I figured if I could hear a cow, I'm going to get them as close as I can to the cow, and we're going to call our way into it. And right. there was a lot of times that – I mean, I called – I did call some bulls in on us the mm-hmm. one time, and I had my client. He was shaking like a leaf. I knew if there was a cow with these bulls that he was going to miss. <laughs> but he loved it. He had a great time. The, right. They never came out onto the trail. They were going to come – they were at one point within thirty yards of us, mm-hmm. but it was so thick where they were coming down on top of us that it was. There's nothing we could do about it, and I was like, "Just get ready. Just look straight ahead on the trail. They're coming out right in front of us, and they they must have winded us and just cut back up. Yeah. Um. And then when we got up and around them and saw them and were like, it just saw there's a couple little bulls,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the little raghorns. So, um. But it was just it was that experience that they the clients they they enjoy um enjoy that the the bugling still getting that down i use diaphragm calls
0: yeah yeah, i mean uh, i don't say if you're a big turkey hunter you probably use diaphragm calls turkey hunting so it's somewhat transferable yeah you know know, i always say like the yelp you know you're opening your mouth where the cow mew. you're closing your mouth so it's like reverse it's like reverse psychology
1: yeah Yeah. And, uh, and i can use most of my elk calls and turn them into a turkey call real quick if I saw mm. some turkeys while I was there. But mm. like, I can't turn my turkey calls into elk calls. <laughs> That's
0: funny how that works, right? <laughs> I know. was
1: I was trying that the other day. I was like, eh, <laughs> it don't work like that.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, you, you get a, you get a good call broken in, and you're like, it's sounding real nice for turkeys, and you try and use it and make cow, you know, cow sounds out of it, or or throw it through a bugle tube, and you're like, this is just not sounding right at all. Yeah. <laughs> but But, uh uh,
1: yeah no um yeah just and as a deer hunter i i don't enjoy i the way i look at it if the deer aren't moving where i'm at they got to be moving somewhere so let's go look for them so i really enjoyed the whole trying to find them and like glassing them out and then trying to get as close as we could to them mm -hmm. and then uh so like that was a lot of fun because just like with turkey hunting, you hear the turkeys, or you might spot some gobblers out in a field way across the valley somewhere. And you're like, oh, I got to get over there. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> and like you just, you, it, because when you're looking from one valley to another and you had glass something across there, what it looks like up at that elevation and you have to go down and then go back, it's everything's different down below.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so,
2: but no,
1: it's a lot of fun. Um, it is definitely it's a great learning experience, and I I can't wait for this season. Um, going to be going out cooking for bear season this year, and then uh, cooking for elk backcountry for a little bit, and then going up to the ranches again in the fall.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you say it's a good learning experience. What are some of the biggest things you've learned? You know, whether it's hunting or oh. personal wise. <sighs>
1: um my tolerance for stubborn animals is a lot higher than i thought it was
0: okay yeah
1: the, the, no like the the yeah, packing like some yeah. of the mules and everything and it just i i just learned a lot i didn't really have much horseman like horse experience or anything and i've worked on some horse farms but that's mainly feeding them mm-hmm. turning them in and out and stuff like that i had a friend that had horses that we rode like part of the Appalachian trail here and there, but like it wasn't anything compared to what it was out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So like learning all that and like, that was just awesome. Um,
0: but I don't know. Um, What about, what about the flip side of that? Like what about if there's anything that you feel you need to learn for the upcoming seasons that you need to work on or that you are working on? Is there anything like any weaknesses that you're trying to attack?
1: Oh, for this season, this season I definitely I want like like I was saying I need to become a better caller. Mm -hmm. You know, learn how to be a little better. Um, I can get it a little bit, but I just I don't have the what is that the stamina yet to do it. So, got to become a better caller. Um, I definitely uh, I'm learning all these new spots in the back country. Uh, we might not be running the, the further end camps this year. So like hopefully I I need to have two years experience fully for the back country hunts mm-hmm. to, to guide back there. Okay. So this will be my second year back there. So that'll going into next year, I should be able to start guiding back there. Awesome. So the now it's just starting to learn. I thought last year I was learning one area. Well, this year we might not be running those hunts. Um, the Forest Service just wasn't cooperating with us and was supposed to be cutting trails when they weren't. And so we just have to hunt new areas that were more accessible for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was just, it was super hard, like, hunting back there. Even just walking around on my own and everything, it was a hard time.
0: What made it so hard? So,
1: like, it's just so thick. And when there's trails, there where there were trails twenty years ago fifteen, twenty years ago, there weren't trails anymore. And uh what were marked trail were marked trails on like on X weren't they weren't there. They were non existent. So it was a lot of that. And the Forest Service had told us that they had cut oh a couple I don't know, I'm gonna say like thirty five, forty miles for us and they didn't cut any. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. maybe they did, just not, they just didn't tell you in the right spot where it was.
1: <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. They weed hunted the whole area. I mean, everywhere that they said that they cut, they didn't. Mm-hmm. That's the downside. And so that that that's a big whole ordeal that we're dealing with right now, too. Um, they're not wanting to do their part to help us out fully. Yeah. Or they're, not, they're just not wanting to do their part to do their job. That was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And like, we even ran into some forest. Some of our guides ran into forest. Uh, uh, they worked for the forest service. They were doing some studies, but they didn't. Um, how do I say this? They didn't tell them that they weren't. So were so we are back there, 35 miles hunting. There's no one anywhere. Right. Our guys just ran into a pack of wolves and fired shots off and then like 45 minutes later there's these two hikers with a dog coming down the trail at them. Wow. And they but they didn't they we didn't know that they were forest they were with the forest service until we got out.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: saw some moose hunters and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's a guy and a girl with their dog. Um, they're forest rangers and they're up here doing a study on wildlife." They're like, "Oh. Well, we saw them but they didn't tell us that that's who they were." Right, yeah. They just they chose not to tell us. Mhm so they there's i don't know why they chose not to tell us we told them who our our people told them who they were right yeah so that that something was a little weird about that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i I mean sometimes people don't want to show their hands they they
1: were they they were that far back there and they didn't have any weapons and there's we just had wolves Mm
0: -hmm.
1: our guys like they just had a pack of six wolves running on them
0: do you guys have a lot of wolves where you are, though? I mean, I know they're the whole yeah. thing is expanding, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. It's um Fish Lake. We heard them. We actually we had one in camp one night uh when me it was me and the one guide. It was like my second or third night in camp. We didn't have any clients yet. We, this was before the season started and we had a wolf yipping camp that uh, it was probably like 80 yards from our ten. Wow. Just, ripped ripped out like two yips and it it sounded like a young one it didn't sound like it wasn't deep or anything just said and uh didn't hear anything for about a week or so and then one night they just down by the lake just started howling and it was the whole pack Mm. then for three nights in a row they just ran the whole lake oh wow and they ran everything out of there Mm. It, it was that was bad because like our the guide said that they they could see like
0: they the could see where cloud. the elk had ran out through there <laughs> yeah they can see the dust cloud for miles from the elk running yeah
1: pretty much like they could see the, the the tracks just running down through and it, nothing you could do about it and it, so that's it, that's what stinks about the backcountry but um the ranch hunts we don't have to worry about that too much we did we heard one one night I guess there's a couple around. Um, where we are in hell's canyon but for the most part the ranchers took care of that Mm -hmm. they uh all together collectively got it handled so um that's just no one's willing to go out in the backcountry and trap them or hunt them yeah they're just hard
0: yeah i mean yeah and just being that far in i mean i don't know much about wolf hunting in general but you know it's wolf are tough to begin with, and then throw them in places that, like Hell's Canyon. It's yeah. even tougher.
1: It, it's a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. Wolf hunting. I couldn't. I I keep thinking about it. So like you have to take a trap a two. It's a two day trapping class. Mm-hmm. On it, it's either two day. It's two days or two weekends. Um, might be four days, but you get to be able to trap wolves in Idaho, mm. and. I'm debating on doing it because then you can, I'm pretty sure there's a, like a, a bounty on them or you can get a good price for them then. Mm-hmm. But,
0: uh, if you're back there, why not? You know?
1: Yeah. So like, that's definitely something I should look into, but at the same time, I, that's a whole other thing. Tra- I've never, I've never done trapping before. Mm-hmm. So I never even thought about doing trapping
2: mm-hmm.
1: until real, they said, yeah, that'd be a great way to make some extra side money. And I was like, eh, that does sound like some pretty good cash. It's like up to a thousand dollars
0: a pelt. So yeah. The only like, thing is it's like, you're trying to trap and you're, and you're lowering wolves into a spot. You're trying to hunt elk in. That's the, that's like, yeah, that's, exactly. it's like, yeah, it's like, that's the part yeah. that, that you got away.
1: Like, they're there already. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just, there's tracks. You just, and sometimes you don't tell the clients and you see a mountain lion track, you kind of just brush it over and don't tell the clients that there was a mountain lion tracking camp and mm-hmm. you just let it go. And until you see the cat in camp, you don't worry about it because it might have just been passing through. Because there were always elk tracks going through camp. Mm-hmm. They they would go through camp at night.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: you yeah. just never knew it. Yeah, they'd be like eighty yards outside the cook tent, and there'd mm-hmm. be elk fresh elk tracks in the morning.
0: Yep, yep, been there, <laughs> been there for sure. You know, we because we have a spike camp outside of our main lodge, and same thing. I mean, we'll have well have elk tracks, you know, ten twenty yards from the from the tent area. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, they'll just come through and it's just Mm -hmm. like, man, why couldn't you be here when they did that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know?
1: And there were definitely, there was one day we heard of one bugle like right from camp, but other than that, it had to go out and it was just hard hunting. And, um, the wildfires that had happened in previous years, just, opened up a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. so it's finding the small pockets of timber back in there and then being able to like traverse through all the blowdowns and everything
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then without as thick as it is i mean they we've ran up on elk to within five ten yards and we never saw them we saw a glimpse of them but it was so thick you just couldn't get a shot at anything
0: yeah yeah I've never hunted but a burn, no,
2: yeah, but
0: the, oh, go ahead. I said, I've never hunted a burn, but I, from what everybody's telling me, like if you wait, you know, until there's a certain, certain time after the burn, it can be pretty a really good spot to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. No, yeah. I definitely hear about that. And, uh, I hope, I hope I don't ever have to experience a, a burn or any of that. We had a lot of smoke out there this year and mm-hmm. uh, some of yeah, our they- other, guides they got they had some close calls i think one of our guides was within a mile and a half of one mm-hmm. um but it shifted like for the good for him for the better and but all the burn most of the burns we were hunting it's all old super old burns so there, there's not much there
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's hard or if there is it's super thick like really really thick and, like, I need to learn all the uh, the food sources and everything for the backcountry now. Mm-hmm. Figure out what they're but, eating so you know where to go.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm so sorry. That's my fault. I'm sorry, Bone drop. Um, but, yeah, no, trying to figure out the what they're all eating. I mean, I was kind of just looking for water sources when I was exploring on my own back there. So now it's looking for the food. And I'd found a lot of bedding.
0: Well, you got water and bedding. So you got two of the three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So do you, so been going out with going out and, you know, you're just kind of doing the cook stuff right now and then planning ahead a little bit. Are you trying to like do any kind of like e-scouting on like on X or anything about these areas that you're going to be in? If they're, if you're not going to hunt the area that you were before, you got to learn all this new ground. Are you, kind of using on X or anything else to help you figure out where you're going to be and help help you in the future.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and all the guides were all try to help each other out. If mm-hmm. we see elk in an area or had seen him there a week before, but we're not hunting that area, we're going to send the other guide, the drop pins. Mm-hmm. So we're all definitely helping each other out in that. Um, in that part, but uh, yeah, definitely, I love, I love looking on on X. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple times that, uh, like, you can't you can't spot elk from an airplane or anything. But like later on, I found this out. One of our guides spotted elk on, as he got flown out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Spotted elk in an area that I had a drop pin on 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 X in the back country
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i had it there's like the spot that i if i was a guide like i'm heading there that <laughs> right, is it yeah. <laughs> right there there's a marsh there's a water source and it's in the most odd spot in this whole area nothing on Onyx looked like nothing else looked like this spot mm-hmm. and i was like that's it that's where i'd be and he ended up spotting, I guess, three bulls like at the ridge at the top of where this marsh was. Okay. On his way out, but I didn't find this out until two weeks later. <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, I couldn't tell you that, like, I on my way out where they were or anything <laughs> yeah, on but, the like flag, I yeah. just had. He t- he texted me. He's like, "I see elk," and I was like, "Well, this doesn't do me a whole lot of good right now. You're up in the air." <laughs> right. I was yeah. like, "It doesn't. I'm. I can't do anything about that. And I'm here at camp, so." But he did it. Confirmed that there was elk up in there. So yeah. it stinks that not knowing that I won't be, probably won't be back there next year.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: there, there, there might be a chance we might go in there and try and just cut trails this summer.
2: Yeah, if we, we can,
1: can and get the manpower to do it, we're gonna do it. It stinks though. We have to um, hand cut everything. Like can't use chainsaws back in there. So it's just a lot of. Uh, Two men saw that just a lot of hard work.
0: <laughs> yeah, just all sweating, and, sweating and tears. Yeah, blood, sweat, That's
1: pretty, pretty much all it is, and opening it enough that you can get a pack train through there and hope that everyone makes it through safely. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got one question. It really has nothing to do with guiding. I was kind of uh, scrolling through your Instagram there. Uh, did you have a, like a heck of a day? Did you shoot a bear and a deer the same day? Yes, sir. Why don't you run me through that?
1: Well, that was probably one of the best days of hunting. I. That's definitely at the top there. Mm-hmm. Probably my top days of hunting. Um, me and my buddy. So my friend from college started hunting with me probably four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And like he in college and we went to college together seven to, to well, it It's been 10 years now mm-hmm. since we were in college together and uh, man getting old. And, um,
0: no, you're not, so, I'm 43. So be quiet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he, he had in college, it was like, Oh man, that's so cool that you hunt. And so I was like, yeah, man, like, come on up to where I live. He lives down towards Philly and he, he would drive up. So years go by he finally starts hunting and was this was that last year last two two years ago me and him he got married his fiance it was his fiance now his wife Her uh, her grandfather's land up in the poconos mm-hmm. he uh he was like hey man you want to go check this land out like maddie's grandfather can take us up there or uh, can let us hunt up there and everything. I can take you up there and blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, let's do it. We got nothing else to lose. We've never been there. Um, So we take a, get up there like at daybreak and late start, my OnX maps aren't downloading. So Hmm. we go to get service, finally get service. Next thing you know, it's like 8.15 in the morning and he's finally dropping me off at the one end of the property. He's like, I'm going to go to the other end, go to this tree stand. I was like, all right, cool. Just stay there. I'm going to zigzag my way up through there. it's the property's not really wide, but it's super long.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I just figured I'd zigzag my way up through the property, kick something up to him and hopefully he gets a shot. Mm -hmm. So I'm zigzagging my way up through. And he's like, he, he texts me and he goes, I think I'm going to get down. I was like, no, don't do that. Just stay there. (laughs) And he doesn't he doesn't listen very often. Usually when I tell him this just like when I tell him one thing, he has something else to go do. Like right. he just he might have ADHD, might, or ADD, <laughs> one or the or other. Yeah, he just he's gotta he hears a noise, he's gotta go see what that was. And uh I'm like, just stay there. I'm a few hundred yards out, like, I'll make it there. Don't worry, I'm, something's gonna happen. And Couple minutes go by. I'm walking down this old pipeline trail, and I look over to my left, and I see this black thing walking right at me under from under these pines, and this black bear's walking dead at me. Mm. And I'm like, "There's no way this isn't happening." I'm like (laughs) sixty yards away at this moment, but I'm in the wide open on this trail.
0: Right? There's
1: there's no leaves on the trees anywhere. The sun's beating on me. It's just the worst case scenario, and it's the bear's walking at like just be lining it at me. I'm like, this isn't good. And so, as it's walking closer to me, I'm like running through every scenario in my head do I just throw it up and shoot, and like do I, do I make a noise, get him to stop, throw it up and shoot? I don't know what to do. Well, my buddy had some deer going by him at this point at the other end of the property. He's like 400, 500 yards away. And all of a sudden, I hear a shot. I didn't know it was his shot.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I had no idea he was the one shooting. I heard a shot, but I'm so focused on this bear that I'm just locked on it. Nothing else is going to stop me. Mm -hmm. This is going to be my chance for a bear. And uh, so, and uh, at the same time, I'm looking around the bear to uh make sure that there aren't any cubs with it Mm -hmm. i would never shoot a bear if there were cubs Mm -hmm. i could never do that to myself that's or i would never shoot a cub Mm -hmm. myself that's just as i i i don't need to do that i don't know that's just me and i'm not gonna knock on anyone who does if it's your first bear it's your first bear take what you want Mm -hmm. and um so my buddy shoots and this bear stops and looks back and at this point the bear's like 40 yards from me wow And it gives me enough time to throw my gun up on the first sapling next to me, throw it on its chest as it turns around and looks for me. It looks over its left shoulder after it just got done looking over its right, and I've hit it straight in the chest and dropped it.
0: Wow, nice. Right then and there. Just rolled it right there.
1: Rolled it right there. And I'm like, at this point, like I said, we got a late start, my maps didn't download. It's eight fifteen. At this point, it's like eight thirty, eight forty five. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there that long at all. Right. I haven't been there long enough to even say I went out hunting. Mm-hmm. Like it was. It, it'll never happen like that ever again. Right. In a million years. But it's funny because I call my dad. I'm freaking out. Then my buddy's calling me a million times, and I ignored him the whole time because I'm talking to my dad. <laughs> yeah. And then I finally called my buddy up and I was like, I shot a bear. He goes, I shot a deer. And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, wait, you, what? You, that was you. (laughs) And we're both. And I wish we could have had it on video (laughs) because we both were dumbfounded. That was you that shot. That was you. That was who, what? And he's like, yeah, the the deer walked right by me. He's like, but you shot a bear where? (laughs) And I was like, I, I'm like 150 yards in off the, it was heading to game land. Okay. So there's game lands where he dropped me off was actually on a chunk of game lands okay. that borders the, pu- that borders the private land mm-hmm. that we were, that her grandfather owns. And, um, so I went and walked the game lands boundary line first, just to check for scrapes or something mm-hmm. for deer, just to see if what the sign was. Never been there. It's a late start. I got nothing to lose it, whatever. And it was the best day of hunting I've ever had. That's so awesome. it was, definitely it was definitely a great time and uh it was funny because on the way home he goes i did it and i was like what'd you do and he goes i listened to you and it worked (laughs) and i was like imagine that man (laughs) who would have thunk that you stayed in your stand and you got a deer so and we went back up there this year for deer season and uh, he did get a doe out of there nice so he was pretty pretty excited about that so let's just stand but, no, I mean, any way to get him excited about hunting, i that's that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. He's having a great time, and he's definitely come a long way from when I first started with him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's definitely come a long way. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it to him. He's, he's going to become a good hunter.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. It's a great story.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: But uh, kind of getting back to guiding a little bit here, like – what's next for you? I mean, you got spring bear coming up that you're cooking for and you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned about Claire Lyons. Now is he's something that you're going to be doing like full time all the way through spring, summer, and then right into the fall. Like once you're heading out West, like you're gone for the rest until winter.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, there's going to be July and part of August kind of have some time off to kind of do what I want. Got to come home, uh, hang out with the family, mm-hmm. give them some time, uh, watch their dogs for them so that they can, have a little vacation because they're helping me out and they're watching my dogs for me while I'm away. Right. So l- luckily all our dogs get along and like, they've kind of grown up with each other. So like mm-hmm. that works out well. That's so it's cool. not like I'm just abandoning any, and my dogs love my parents. Yeah. Sometimes I think they love my parents more than me because they give them more <laughs> treats.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. So they like, they just they like the treats and the food for sure yeah exactly
1: but um yeah i don't know uh just trying to hunt and fish as much as i can while i'm doing my job as best as i can Mm -hmm. that kind of just as much that that's my goal that's my game plan and then become the best elk caller and hunter that i can be out there
0: yeah sweet just just try and
1: master it as much and learn as much as i can from everyone um Like I said, the, most of the guides that we are there with our outfit, they are amazing. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are, have grown up there or have worked there for any decent amount of time, they're, you, you listen to them, everything they say, because it's going to work. It will. I promise it will.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely so, that's yeah, the big thing about being learning and just being that sponge and soaking up that information. There's a lot of people that can be yeah. stubborn and be like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to learn nothing." But yep. uh, being open minded and just being that sponge for knowledge is, man. I just love I'm a sponge. I love learning. You know, That's, yeah. why, that's why I love doing these podcasts because I learn a little bit from everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably the ADHD in me that like I, I can't do one job for very long if i'm if it doesn't like interest me enough
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like it's like with welding it's been great for the time being and i it's a great thing to know Mm -hmm. but at this point i'm almost debating on do i want to do underwater welding because that might be something to look into because that seems pretty exciting to me okay yeah but i don't that's something that i have to learn i have to pay to go to school but i can do that in the off season and that's no big deal right yeah but um yeah right now it's just doing my job as best as i can while i'm out there but getting as much time hunting and fishing in as i can
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and learning the lay of the land and uh i and there'll be some time hopefully i'll be able to get to maybe do some hunting on my own while they're they have their clients out or something i mean it's public land and everything or like we might not have any clients on certain days and have some time to myself yeah so in between clients and stuff so have some time to myself and just i really want to get a turkey this year so that's my big thing
0: and turkey (laughs) out there
1: yeah yeah Yeah. nice yeah i'm gonna get one with my bow
0: nice so
1: but yeah and then filming filming like getting a bunch of footage for every just filming everything that we do because mm-hmm. it's it's amazing last year i kind of was got some good footage but i think it could have been better um could have definitely got some better footage of stuff but this year now i'm more focused on everything that i need to be focused on whereas last year everything i was just kind of like a kid in a candy shop that is
0: like this is unbelievable
2: yeah like, a little overwhelming at first for
0: sure yeah. so so for for someone who's kind of maybe looking to be a guide themselves and kind of like following your footsteps like what advice would you want to pass down to them oh man just
1: do it that's that's all you can do um, if you can find an outfit that's willing to teach you along the way do that if you can't um, go to guide school do it up um, I I was looking into guide school when I came back from Alaska because I thought that was definitely going to be a big thing for me. And um, like I said, I got in my legal issues, and I just I kind of put everything on hold. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: now I'm took the cook job, and it's leading into other things. So give me a couple of seasons, I'll be guiding in the back country, and we'll be we'll be good out there, and we're gonna get some big bulls. But no, yeah, don't, it, it's going to be terrifying. Just, I mean, it was terrifying when I went to Alaska in three days, I quit my job and moved to Washington. (laughs) So like it, it, it's going to be the scariest thing you ever do. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to get yelled at. I promise you, you're going to get yelled at. Mm -hmm. That's it. It happens, Mm -hmm. but you're going to, if it's really what you want to do, you're never going to be happy doing anything else. I promise you.
2: Yeah. 100%. It,
1: that's what it comes down to. Um, That's what I, I get the I get paid to be out in the outdoors. Yeah. The majority of the entire year. Yeah. I have the best views that anyone could ever imagine. I can't, I couldn't, I don't know what, I don't know how I could sell it any other way to anyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's, I don't know. Is you you can there's always there's always going to be someone out there living your dreams, so you might as well go do it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't have said that any any better myself, man. So to wrap things up, uh how can people find you like internet, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff?
1: Um I'm on Facebook uh Sam Breitenstein, or internet. Uh I mean, on uh Instagram it's Sam so fresh. Uh definitely going to come up with a new name there. So looking for new names for my uh, Instagram. If anyone wants to help me out there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, definitely, um, give me a follow, look me up. Um, hopefully I do have another page hunt true. And, uh, that's just kind of my videos for hunting and fishing and stuff. But I said, I need to get that, need to get that going this year. I'm going to focus on the videos a lot more. Cause I know what we see out there is, not everyone's gonna ever get to see it only a handful will and it's it's just unbelievable and most people are just too too scared to do it so this they they need to not be scared
0: <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. hey uh well thanks for uh coming on man this was great uh wish you luck yeah. all the way through the spring the summer you know staying safe out there don't catch the forest on fire with your cooking and uh <laughs> and don't and don't lose a finger <laughs> chopping trees so.
1: Yeah, I try not to.
0: So, man, thanks for Wait, coming thanks
1: on. A lot, man. Thanks for having
0: me.